I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself, or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. This is not Juliet, and it is is Apologies Accepted, the podcast. I swapped it around a little bit to keep you on your toes. tricked me on Halloween. (laughs) How dare you? Happy Halloween. It's Halloween for us, but it's not Halloween for everybody listening because no, it's uh, going to be just be a past Halloween. boring regular day when our Hope listeners you had a great Halloween, spooky Halloween, and spooky happy Halloween 2022 in advance. Um, today we have a interesting episode. Um, we're going to be talking about unlike who, other days. Unlike other days, you don't days, have to jump yes. in there and say that. <laughs> We've had some great episodes and some only really good episodes. Okay, so this okay. is going to be a great nice recovery. Episode. <laughs> and we're going to talk about move. Um, but first off, what's shaking bacon? What's shaking bacon? I still love that. It's so dumb. <laughs> it too. makes my skin it's crawl, great. and at the same time, I <laughs> love it. Um, well, let's see. So it's Halloween. I bought some pumpkins and I made a jack o' lantern. I made two jack o' lanterns, right? Out of real pumpkins with knives and everything. Yeah, out of real pumpkins. Wow. I mean, <laughs> that seems like an insurmountable amount of work to me right now. <laughs> oh God. Well, I'm gonna say it was a lot harder. But there's a grocery store that's going out of. It's a lot harder than I thought it would be. Um, yeah. And I've made pumpkins before, but last year I didn't. Uh, and uh, actually, I should let me. All right. So I make a jack o' lantern. At least one, if not two, every year, except last year. Cool. And okay. somehow that one year, I managed to forget just how complicated it is. <laughs> so I started and just like with the first plunge of the knife, it was like, oh, God, oh it's going to be a fucking night. This is so hard. <laughs> That's how I feel. Well, I'm not even doing anything. You're not wrong. But anyway, they're out on the front porch now. The candles Yay. are too tall and that started Send smoking. The roof. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I mean, the roof of the jack lantern. We're renting, and oh, I want okay. our landlady to like start smoking the roof. Like, roof of the house. Sorry, I speak in half thoughts. I just expect people to connect all the dots. Um, yeah, so I'm going to do pumpkin seeds. We're going to watch maybe a scary movie. Speaking Yay. of, Yay. okay, so this is stuff people can li- relate to, listeners can relate okay. to. I saw uh, Last Train to Busan, which is a zombie I movie. That's good. I watched part of it. Did you? What did you think? You think it was good? I liked it. Yes. Really? I did. Now, I I will say that, like, I can handle some zombie movies. Like, I watched uh-huh. The Walking Dead for, I don't know, eight years or five years, okay. however long, right? And I really enjoyed it. Um, and so somehow, while I am afraid of all kinds of scary movies, zombies, I'm sort of like, okay, I can, yeah, yeah maybe. You're I wouldn't cool go see Dawn of the Walking Dead or whatever. I don't like gore. Um, but so, okay. and not Al, but... You know, I don't like yeah, gore. gore yeah, stuff. you got that. All right, thank yeah. you. Yeah, uh huh. You didn't get my joke, or it wasn't funny. I got your joke. It wasn't funny. <laughs> How dare you? It was hysterical. <laughs> that came to me on the fly, in case you couldn't I tell. I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so it was it was actually really good. And then James uh, came in near the end of it. And he was like, "Oh God, are you watching another zombie thing?" Not like I watch them all the time. <laughs> 
<laughs> right? The last time I watched yeah. a zombie anything was, I swear to God, probably five years ago, right? Yeah, okay. It's like, oh, yeah, that's all I ever do, UFOs and zombies. That's me. <laughs> My personality. Um, and he got into it. And so I'm going to say it was oh, good. Wow. And the thing I love about uh, Korean film is it's there's just whatever they're doing in Korea in the film industry is amazing. I really loved Parasite. Um, uh-huh. I really liked uh, Train to Busan. I mean, there was hokey stuff in it and, and all that kind of stuff. And fast-moving zombies, which aren't my favorite ones. Right. Um, I need the slow ones you can run away from. Um, huh. But I'm going to say the thing I really notice is the difference between at, at sort of the core of filmmaking, the the message, right? Right. Is in Korean film, it's all about the collective and the individual who goes against the collective is wrong and is um, brought back in line somehow, some way, uh, either through circumstance or through messaging, whatever, right? And okay. it, U.S. filmmaking, it's very individualistic. You have yeah. the... The one scientist who knows the asteroid is going to hit the Earth, and he's the right. only one who knows, right? And he ends up saving everybody. And it's always like the lone cowboy in an American yeah. film. Yeah. So uh, so it was fun to kind of see that. Oh, and cool. uh, read a great book. You're going to need to read it. The Children's Bible. Just got to get that out there. Um, it the is, Children's Bible. It is called The Children's Bible, and it is by Lydia Millet or Millet. And it is... It's fiction? The, Best it is fit. Well, aren't they all? Well, I mean, anything anything called Bible is going to be going to be fiction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. See, sure. you, you made that jump with me. I gotcha. Uh, <laughs> but yes, this is a novel. It's fiction, and uh, it's uh, trying to say holistic, and that's not it. It's the end of the world kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Um, Apocalyptic. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. I was really yeah. stuck on Holocaust, and it's like that's not uh, what it's okay. about, Theo. Don't say that. Right. Um. And in a very believable way, so it's a story about a group of super wealthy people and their children, and it's told through the children's experience with their parents just kind of like drinking themselves into oblivion while they watch society crumble around them due to massive storms that wipe out, you know, Supply chains and and every society is just breaking down left, right, that's and center. That's a little too close to real. Well, that's it, and I'm saying it was very good. So okay. that's my Halloween treat and my very long story about my week. Well, I'm glad you had a decent week. It sounds like you had an interesting week. It was full of apocalypse and pumpkins. <laughs> a lot of stimulation there for you. There you go. Okay, what about you? What's shaken, Bacon? Tell me all I the had news. zero stimulation. Nothing is shaken. Um, I always feel like I come here and I'm like, oh, I didn't do anything this week again. So I didn't do anything this week again. I worked. I work a lot. So um, so I did a lot of that. And I did a lot of sleeping because I do a lot of that too. Um, but other than that, I don't think I really have much to talk about. Um, I was going to tell you about something. Uh, I have tickets to a concert, I think, next week uh, to see Kristen Hirsch. And that's going to be fun. She was in Throwing Muses. I don't know if you remember that. but um, Oh, I do. I remember the name. A while back. Yeah. And uh, I I don't think I'm going to go, though, because of COVID. My husband is is super sensitive about COVID. And and he will. I know he won't go. And I I would feel bad going and then dragging COVID back to the house and killing him. So (laughs) I probably won't go. But I'd love to go see Kristen Hirsch. I'm sure she's great. Even though they have the vaccination, your vaccination is required and you have to wear masks and all that stuff. I'll talk to him about it and see what he says well Brent you're listening right now you tell me what you think um 
Other than that, I got to say, there's not much going on. Well, you've both had boosters? Yes, we both had booster shots. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think this is the sad thing. I no, think... he did not have a booster shot. He, oh, he, he was it. putting it off. Yeah, he was putting it off until they got one that was really good against Delta, which, uh, whatever. I think he should still get the booster shot now, and then if there's another one later, he can get that later. So, we'll see. Well, you know, uh, when I was watching Last Trade to Busan, right? Yeah. You see the zombies, the outbreak yeah. happening, right? And like yeah. cities are on fire and the government, yeah. this isn't this isn't a good story. The government is okay. on the news telling people everything's fine. Your government has a situation under control, but they don't. Right. Right. They don't. And then I was like, holy fuck, I got a vaccine because the government said I should. Governments lie. <laughs> are you questioning now the government? Our, our no, but it, government? but it 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 gave me this like wah moment <laughs> where I was like, oh, that's why some people don't want the vaccine. It's not because they're stupid. They don't trust the government. Yeah. Yeah. And like that never occurred to me. You're kidding. After all the UFO and, and MK Ultra and all the Tuskegee Institute stuff we've done, it never occurred to you not to trust the government? Yeah, no, it didn't. I was like, <laughs> great. Well, and not the government, but scientists, too, because, you know, the scientists were Science saying it too. first. So it was like, oh, yeah. okay, cool. And so everybody who's listening who might not trust the government, um, I don't know what to tell you. Because, yeah, sometimes you shouldn't, sometimes you should. But you can always trust science because it doesn't have an agenda. But the people do. That's the problem. Well, then we should all just walk into the ocean and be, hey, let's not do that. Let's keep this a, a chipper podcast. Let's keep this at a good level. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're going to try to survive. Let's um, talk about the... a bombing now that happened in Philadelphia. <laughs> let's do that. So um, this this podcast is going to be about MOVE. And MOVE is a radical black liberation group that was initially known as the Christian Movement for Life, which is interesting because that would lead you to believe it is an anti-abortion group, but I don't think abortion is one of their platforms. Um, but anyway, they were founded in Philadelphia in 1972 by a guy who was born named Vincent Leaphart, but who changed his name to John Africa out of respect for the country, or the continent, sorry. Um, MOVE is an anarcho-primitivist group which combines evolutionary ideology similar to that of the Black Panthers with work for animal rights. Kim Kelly for Teen Vogue, which I stole a lot from for this podcast, said that the era in which MOVE was born was an especially dangerous period for activists and organizers. And here we talk about one of my favorite topics, um, government conspiracies. So there was something called COINTELPRO, which I don't know if you ran into this in your research for MOVE, um, but COINTELPRO is the FBI surveillance program that targeted political dissident groups like the Black Panthers, Vietnam War protesters, civil rights leaders, Puerto Rican independence activists, feminists, and socialists, was in effect from 1956 until it was exposed in 1971. So basically what happened was the FBI sent sort of people covertly into these um, political dissident quote-unquote groups um, to discredit them. So um, one thing that happened as a result was that Fred Hampton, who was the deputy chair of the Chicago chapter of the Black Panther Party, was killed in 1968 by police as part of a COINTELPRO sting. So in this environment, um, when 
after after COINTELPRO had been exposed in 1971, MOVE was founded in 1972 by John Africa, um, who was a Korean war veteran. And the politics, as I mentioned, were anti-capitalist, anti-government, and anti-modern technology, and were rooted in a 300-page document, which I believe John Africa wrote, called The Guidelines. Uh, John Africa preached an anarcho-primitivist model of natural living, love for every living being, and advocated for a return to a hunter-gatherer society, which is about as unrealistic as you can possibly think of. I mean, even in 1972, how are we going to go back to a hunter-gatherer society? We have cars. What's well, going to happen to all the cars? To? <laughs> why it, would you want what to? What would happen to all the cars? I love <laughs> that's your biggest concern. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to take care of the cars? That's We're going right. to live in the cars. Oh, that's probably true. Right? They'll that's just a, be the shelter. Yeah. yeah. And they didn't even have SUVs, so think how uncomfortable that would have been. But cars are much bigger now and much more comfortable for living in. So we're in better shape now um, to, to be anarcho-primitivists. Save the cars. Uh, it, save the cars. The members of MOVE started out being involved in animal rights, a raw food diet, natural home birth, homeschooling, and composting. And they lived in West Philadelphia in a row house and called themselves a family, but they were not the best neighbors, unfortunately. They were loud, they held noisy protests, and blasted profanity-laced political diatribes through loudspeakers at all hours. Um, in 1977, they started waving guns around in their yard, um, which led the city government to label them as terrorists. So Philadelphia's mayor at the time, Frank Rizzo, uh, was known for his targeted violence against black people, especially uh, he told police to beat the, quote, black asses, unquote, of high school protesters with nightsticks. And he told voters to, quote, vote white, unquote. Um, and their, his harassment, the police's harassment of the Moo family under Rizzo's orders led to their house being invaded by the police and ended in a shootout in 1978 in which Officer James Ramp was killed. So I think you have some information about this. Oh, do I have event. information about this? Yes. Tell us so all about it. I get ready. So I had never heard of Move before. And when you had suggested this as, as our topic for today, I was like, oh, a cult. Okay, great. And right. having known nothing about them at all. No, right. Zero. Didn't know about the bombing. Didn't know nothing. Right. Wow. I was like, I'm lazy. Let's find a documentary. So I watched a documentary on HBO called 40 Years a Prisoner, which is. The, right. I heard about that. Oh, yeah. It it's really of, good. It's so what's good. What's his name? Mike Africa? Mike Africa. I yeah. cried at the end. So. Oh. Yes. And oh. And then because I cried at the end, I was like, all right. We're going to have to do a little digging and find out some See stuff this about this true. because yeah. like clearly I have been led, you know, some, the director held my hand and yeah. took me down to the crying finish line. So cool. <laughs> but it's a great documentary. I highly I'll recommend it, it and um, moves a bit complicated. However, what happened yeah. to them, they didn't deserve and no one deserves. So Absolutely. there's a clear line here between um, what's appropriate what's appropriate government response mm -hmm. and what's just overkill, right? Mm -hmm. So here's what happened. Um, the, and, and I'm struggling not to make a, a literary comparison here, but I'm going to. So okay. the um, Trojan War started from the judgment of Paris when two, three goddesses were arguing about who was the most beautiful. And Zeus said, well, why don't you go ask Prince Paris of Troy because he's so wise and so they go down and they're like, who's the prettiest? And he gives it to Aphrodite. And that's what start. He gives this golden apple to Aphrodite. And that's what starts yeah. the Trojan War. That's the true cause of the Trojan War, which was lost to, supposedly lost to the history of time. Cool. 
Every um, word is gospel. Every yes. word is gospel. And it all comes from Homer, who was a blind poet, and nobody can argue that fact ever. No. So, great. So, from the film, which, again, was very pro-move, uh, I've got a couple of things to share with you that just kind of help you understand who these people were and what was going on pre the 1978 uh, shootout that led to the death of Officer Ramp. Um, so here's a quote from Delbert Africa, who is explaining what MOVE is all about. MOVE is a totally revolutionary organization, and the purpose of MOVE is to exhibit biased activity for the purpose of revolution. I was indoctrinated with a philosophy that revolution meant picking up a gun and going out and murdering somebody. I never allowed that revolution could consist of um, removing myself to get away from the things that caused me to want to revolt. The teachings of John Africa are inherent in his disciples. His words are shown in the healthiness of our children, the sturdiness of our building, the way we live, all right? For security purposes, John Africa's whereabouts are organization business right now. We're not asking people to idolize a figure, a so-called leader, as they have done in the past. What we're asking people to do is take a serious look at their lifestyle, as John Africa says, see it for what it is, and do away with it. Moves um, public beliefs were they believed in a natural diet, no processed food, simple clothing, and respecting all forms of life. Um, their private beliefs held that education is indoctrination into the system, and we're all part of a system. If you're not part of MOVE, you're part of the system. Um, nudity and sex are natural. Uh, there were instances of 57-year-old women displaying themselves uh, uh, rather graphically in front of 14-year-old boys. Um, mm. Age is just a number. Uh, that the moment a girl menstruates, she is ready to be married. Uh, there was a mm. girl named Pixie who was pregnant at 12 years old. Um, Jeez. There was also an engagement photo. Um, and mind you, we'll say this this photo is alleged to be an engagement photo of a 14-year-old boy being engaged to a two-year-old girl. Oh, man. Uh, this 14-year-old boy is the uh, son of John Africa. Um, and then, because I was like, you know, they feel so good and nice. I love this idea of being kind to animals and a natural diet and return to the earth and back to nature, which I'm just going to say, hey, move, you can use this. It is, you should be calling it black to nature because thank you. <laughs> great. Oh, Perfect. Awesome. It's a great tagline, right? Um, they purport themselves to be a, a, quasi-political organization, a black liberation movement. They're, they don't actually say that, but that's sort of what their their philosophy would, on the outside, seem to be. Um, according to members who have left the group, uh, that's intentional. They use that as a lure to bring people into the group to get political activists to come and join the organization. And then as you are um, slowly brought in, you learn that John Africa is a god and that all right. of his words are perfect and should not be questioned, um, just as you were saying. And yeah. uh, this was mine, right? I was like, if I like it this much, I need to find out where they're at with the gays. So homosexuality oh. is a sin for people uh. within the system that is punishable by cycling. So cults have, you know, their own internal language. And cycling means um, become part of the earth and you are recycled. Oh, my that God. Means killing and burial. So oh, my God. So cycling, 
is held out to be a threat to ex-members who leave. If you leave uh, and you talk, you might find yourself cycled. Thanks. Right? Okay. So that's according to ex-members. I will put that out there too. Um, I'll have references in the uh, show notes. There's a podcast called Murder at Ryan's Run, which um, looks mm-hmm. at sort of the darker side of mm-hmm. of the move movement, you know, the, the darkness within the light. Because on the surface, it all sounds really pretty and really nice. Um, Not really. Well, I mean, I love the idea <laughs> of, you know, a commune and communal living. Well, I love the idea of good. it. But not the rest of it. I mean, not the other stuff right. you said. But I guess you're saying that was below the surface. Right. Um, okay. And so let's let's get into what happened. So on March 28th, 1978, you have this organization that's living in, the, in um, I think it's Western Philadelphia in the Powell yeah. neighborhood, Polton neighborhood. And um, uh, some of their members are released from jail. And there's a celebration at the house, which has been a problem house in the neighborhood uh, right. it's a kind of a university area. Um, so the people are somewhat liberal and kind of cool with the whole back to nature thing, but the people that move would rescue stray dogs and stray cats. There were some sanitation issues around the house, rats, you know, there's a lot of, um, food and composting mm-hmm. happening. And this is a city, not, mm-hmm. not a farm. And so right. you've got this farm in the middle of a city, which is a pain in the ass to the neighbors, but they're dealing with it. However, because of the noise from the celebration, the cops arrive and things get violent. Um, A woman named Janine Africa is knocked to the ground while she's holding her infant. The cops, the cops, no, the cops stomp Janine and the baby skull is crushed. Um, Her child, whose name was Life Africa, was three weeks old. Um, The next day, Move holds a press conference and they say the police killed the baby. The police killed the baby, but there's no birth certificate. So the city says... There's no birth certificate. There's no child. Oh, my God. So Move has to prove their claim by inviting local politicians over to view the body of a dead infant. That's horrible. It's, it is beyond... I mean, yeah, it's horrible. I don't know why I have to top what you say by horrible. Like, <laughs> no, Julianne, it's beyond horrible. <laughs> I agree with you, but I agree with you more and better. Um, so, uh, so there's a headline in one of the uh, local Philadelphia newspapers that says move mourned baby's death, but police remain skeptical. I mean, that just tells you what they're dealing with right there. Uh, Right. Yeah. Um, Charges are brought against the cops and they're dismissed despite neighborhood witnesses. Um, Charges are instead brought against the six men who were beaten that night. Now the trial judge, um, whose name is Myrna Marshall and is male, uh, dismissed the case before the jury deliberations began, saying it never should have been allowed in court in the first place. Mm. Now, um, in the history of Philadelphia, dismissal by a judge in a jury trial had never happened before, but legally was permissible. And it has it's so rare that it stands out, right? Wow. So MOVE begins holding demonstrations with a bullhorn in front of their house, right? They're trying to get their neighbors on board, but they're also trying to get public attention because they've just, they've got nothing. Um, they, they're getting no help from the city at all. And their family members, the, their brothers, are being held unjustly, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of the MOVE members explains to the press at the time, 
If you come at us with hands, we will meet you with our hands. If you come at us with clubs, we will meet you with our clubs. And if you come See at us with guns, we will yep. meet you with our guns. Uh, uh, yep. Newspapers begin to print photos of members around the house uh, holding guns. Whether the guns were operable or not, whether they were real guns, all that's open for debate. Um, but Move makes a statement that says, if you think the cops won't hesitate to shoot white students at Kent State, what makes you think that they wouldn't hesitate to shoot blacks or Puerto Ricans? So Mayor Rizzo, who's sort of a Donald Trump of Philadelphia, says, mm -hmm. we have to decide who's going to be more aggressive, the police or the criminal element. And the move answers back to that. When you cannot reach out to the officials and get justice, when you cannot get justice from anybody in a city, what do you do and where do you go? So they start boarding up their house. They board up the windows, they build a fence, they build a parapet, basically a big stage behind the fence, right? And they're standing on that stage with bullhorns, screaming at all hours of the night, trying to get anybody, uh -huh. trying to get the city. And when I say the city, I mean the community, the people in the city, not the officials of uh -huh. the city, to unite behind them and, and get some justice. And really... Um, I want to bear in mind, although I started this with that literary reference of, ha, 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 I'm so clever. I paid $40,000 for a degree in English. Um, mm -hmm. This is, this all starts from the death of an infant and a lack of concern from city officials. Nobody mm -hmm. was ever held accountable for mm -hmm. the death of Life Africa. Um, okay, so the neighbors are really irritated because the house just looks like a fortress uh, the Philadelphia Daily News, which is a tabloid, uh, tallied yeah. up the overtime and the man hours spent by the Philly PD watching move. And questions begin to arise about the mayor's effectiveness in handling the situation. Mm -hmm. um, so the Philadelphia Supreme Court, state court, sorry, holds up uh, Philly's right to blockade the house. And so this, the city of Philadelphia decide they're going to put up a barricade around the house, keep people out. Turn off the power, turn off the water, turn off the gas, and they don't let any food in, right? Yeah. And that that extends not just to the house, but to people that live around the house. So if you lived mm -hmm. in the neighborhood, you had to show your ID, you had to prove you had business on the street, right? Mm -hmm. um, bit of a problem. 400 police officers and a SWAT team shows Holy up, cow. right, um, for this blockade which wow. they're trying to starve the move members out of the house. Does this happen in a day? No. Do they think it's going to happen in a day? No. Right? Move has given you no indication they're ever going to respect, understand, appreciate, value your, be afraid of your authority, you know, city of Philly. So, of course, this is going to take forever. Um, John Penrose, who was the first assistant United States attorney for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. So, he's like a very real attorney, very real government official. I know you know that, but for our Gen Z people out there, he's not just like some attorney, right? Mm -hmm. He's like one of the leading attorneys in Pennsylvania. And he says the city couldn't let things go. Um, but at the same time, you can't do nothing, but you can't do what the uh, Philly PD did. That's crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, uh, a neighbor on TV had said, I can't believe the United States is starving people out of a home. The community starts to demand that the city, like, allow some food right in up. because there's nursing mothers and children in there. Yeah. Um, Rizzo tells them, clean up or get out. The moves say, 
Move say, the Move organization <laughs> says officially, um, you let our people out of prison with unconditional freedom and bring them home in a helicopter with Jimmy Carter. So, okay. you know, that wasn't going to quite happen. However, that's escalating. Food brought food was brought in to the compound okay, good. for children, good. right? And uh, Philly does release the move prisoners. And oh, wow. there's a 90 day truce. Move takes oh. down some of the wiring and some of the fencing. So there's a de escalation that's happening. And for three months, yeah. things were really calm, right? Yeah. The city solicitor. Sheldon Albert, who apparently is the dumbest jerk on the planet, says mm-hmm. publicly, yeah, you know, sure, 90-day truce, but on the 91st day, we're tearing that house down. Oh, my God. So that changes everything. Oh, boy. Uh, some of the agreements were written and some were understood. Move kind of understood that they could leave the house whenever they figured out their living arrangements. Um, but Rizzo's administration says no they they knew they had to get out by august 1st who's true what's right i don't know um members say to the press it's not like we want to die but if men like rizzo dictate our lives make us unhealthy make us sick and kill any more of our babies we'd rather be dead because to be free is not to be so-called living on this level it's to be free of the oppressive power of a maniac like rizzo rizzo says what they need is a good bath and some soap and water in their mouth. They're going to go mm. down easy or the hard way. At 12.01 a.m., they're going to be dragged out by their necks, children or not. Um, Ed Jeez. Rendell, I know, right? Um, I mean, honestly, it's very Trumpian rhetoric. Um, yeah. It, he, this guy is John Wayne, and he's the cowboy hero who is going to, like, force the whatever, right? We all get it. We've all seen assholes operate before. Um, Ed Rendell, who was the mayor from 92 to 2000, uh, explains sort of like in retrospect that mm-hmm. um, move was a counterculture movement um, that every event takes place in the context of its time that the move people appeared to be so angry and violent with every other word being the F-bomb that they made it difficult for anybody to side with them. Right. Right. Which I I totally get, right? Sure, you're angry, sure. you're going to you're going to say shit, you're going to be angry, cool. Anger doesn't really win people. As as right as you might be to have your your and- anger, whatever, right? So uh so on August 8th, about 600 people gather in front of the house at 12:20 a.m. These are reporters and neighbors. 600 cops arrive. Wow. Because of all of the media around This becomes the most filmed crime scene in American history at the time, right? And the cops begin moving the media away, saying, Mm -hmm. this is for your safety. Two reporters decide, you know what? Yeah, that sounds good, but maybe maybe something else is going on. So they start Mm -hmm. knocking on neighbors' doors saying, hey, can we come in your house? And finally, they find a group of students who say, yeah, come on in. And they get to a second-story window where they have a great view of of the move house, the house. and they yeah. set up their camera and they start filming. Um, so the six hundred cops arrive with hand grenades, tanks, cherry bombs, bulldozers, and according to Consuela Africa, they showed up with everything for warfare except the bombs. Which hey, there you go, that'll lead us to eighty five. But police get inside the house, and the move group is in the basement of the home, right? Yeah. Supposedly shots are fired um, from the basement and 
the fire department turns on the fire hoses and they begin flooding the basement, right? right. Where women and children are hiding. Are hiding. Right. Um, there was a community activist, this guy named Walt, who was a former gang member, and he was friendly with the move people. And so um, one of the neighbors called Walt and was like, you got to get down here and you got to help. Like, this is just out of control. So mm-hmm. Walt gets into the house and he discusses with the move membership, right, like getting the women and children out of the home. And and at that point during those discussions, that's when shots are fired. Um, oh, and that's when the police begin flooding the basement. And so Walt gets out. And after a while, and I mean like longer than an hour, the water had reached about four feet high. And so the move people have their animals in there. They're trying to keep them above the water. They have their children that they're trying to keep above the water, mm-hmm. right? So they they leave the basement and they're crawling yeah. out through basement windows. A guy named Delbert Africa is, according to one of the cops, uh, is helped out of the window and the filmmakers ask him in the documentary what do you mean by helped and he was like well he was subdued and they were like Mm. well what do you mean by subdued so you remember our two reporters who were knocking on doors and got to the second story they filmed delbert africa having the shit stomped out of him by six cops at the same fucking time this wasn't like punch 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 and another cop this was a gang and I'll say gang, but I mean, you know, this yeah. was a gang beating. Um, yeah. And so Bob Hurst, who was a Philly stakeout officer, says on film, mm-hmm. he was being helped out by them three officers and then promptly went to the hospital, but um, should have went to the morgue. Oh, my God. I know, right? I was like, what the fuck? I had to rewind that part probably three times to be like, what am I missing other than the total, like, complete... Uh, disregard for human life yeah it was was beyond awful um hearst entered the home along with some other cops and they went into the basement um they had to leave pretty quickly because the tear gas in the basement burned their lungs and they went to the hospital now the city of philly said there wasn't any tear gas later when this was all looked at we were using smoke however one of the cops says tear gas and he says he went to the hospital because of tear gas and it's the guy who's no fucking hero because he just said that delbert africa should have been killed Um, wow Wow. The cops say they pulled out 1,600 rounds of ammo and they found rifles. And police forensics um, prove that a move gun killed Officer Ramp. Now, Officer Ramp is a sharpshooter. And this was the most filmed crime scene during real time in American history. Um, There's film of Officer Ramp leaning against a telephone pole with his hat on kind of backwards looking real nonchalant. He's not holding a gun or anything, right? But he's standing yeah. out right in the open. So the right. ki- argument to this is it could have been friendly fire that killed Officer Ramp. I see. Uh, he wasn't ducking. He wasn't hiding like other right. people in the same scene are doing, right? Right. Um, so they pull out these perfectly pristine uh, rifles from yeah. a basement that's been from a basement that's been flooded. Right, that's been covered right. in yeah. Yeah. Right. And the police find them and the police also yeah. determine that it was a move uh bullet uh-huh. that killed Officer Ramp, right? Uh-huh. Um so maybe some shenanigans there. Uh-huh. Who knows, right? Um but nine people were sentenced for the crime and I don't know if this was the judge, but uh it was definitely somebody who was in police force, right? who said, yeah. um, okay, great. Well, if they're a family, they can suffer together like a family. 
Nobody in MOVE would admit to firing the weapon that killed Ramp. So nine people were jailed for this crime yeah. for 5,200 years. They were known as the MOVE 9. Right. Um, Mike's mother, Mike Africa, was pregnant yeah. when she was uh, hauled off to jail and sentenced. And she gave birth to Mike in jail. Um, he worked for his parents' freedom for 40 years. And in 2018, uh, after eight parole hearings, his mother was released. And in October, his father was released. Uh, they both come to live with Mike and his family. And his parents hadn't seen each other in over 40 years. Uh, and oh. they rewed later in their son's backyard. Oh. And that's sort of the end of the 1978 uh, right. episode. But getting back to 1978 and where you'll take over with, with the bombing, um, you know, there was a lot of tension between MOVE and the city of Philadelphia. There were a lot of hurt feelings on the side of Philly, right? Um, and there was a lot of justified fear on the part of MOVE. Now, you've got an organization that I now believe is a cult. Before I was like, oh, nice, I love it. Um, I that's that's thinking I can get down with to use 1978 lingo. Um, yeah, yeah, not so much, but uh, but we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. So uh, by 1981, the remaining members of the group had relocated, um, but continued to have issues with their neighbors and with the police. Local. ABC Six News said that the uh, largely African-American community did not want move in their neighborhood. There were complaints about trash around the group's home, confrontations, and frequent obscene political messages from a bullhorn. So pretty much the same stuff that they had been getting in trouble for in the, in the late 70s. Um, by now, Wilson Good was Philadelphia's first black mayor. But he also said that MOVE was a terrorist organization, and uh, he got the police to get arrest warrants for various reasons. And on May 13th, 1985, heavily militarized police came to the row house um, where, where MOVE was currently living under the guise of serving arrest warrants on charges of terroristic threats, riot, and disorderly conduct. The neighbors were evacuated and were told that they would be able to return after 24 hours. And uh, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer, the fire department blasted the house with a thousand gallons of water a minute for nearly six hours. Uh, police responded to moves responding gunfire by throwing smoke grenades and firing at least 10,000 rounds of ammunition at the house. Hours later, according to one account, according to many accounts, really, the police dropped explosives from a helicopter onto the roof of the house. Unfortunately, there were several barrels of gasoline being stored on the roof and the explosion ignited those gasoline barrels uh, and kick-started a fire that ultimately burned down the entire block. Police Commissioner Gregor J. Sambor reportedly told firefighters on the scene to let the fire burn. And during this whole time, the police were shooting, the, the, shooting at the house. Um, there were 13 people in the house and when they tried to get out of the, the fire, they were uh, met with police gunfire, which forced them back into the house. Ramona Africa recalled in 2017, when we realized that our house was actually on fire, we immediately tried to get our children, our animals, and ourselves out of that blazing inferno. But at the point when we were trying to come out and could be seen, the cops opened fire on us, forcing us back in. We tried several times to get out, but each time we were shot back into the house. This was a clear indication that they didn't intend for any of us to survive that attack. 
Move was a pain in the neck for 25 hours a day, a neighbor whose house had been burned in the fire told the New York Times in 1996. But we didn't believe the police should have come in here like it was World War III. Those children in that house weren't criminals. So, um, the city was later found in federal court to have used excessive force and violated constitutional rights against unreasonable search and seizure. Despite two grand jury investigations and a commission finding that top officials were grossly negligent, no police officers or city officials were ever charged for their role in the move bombing. I think, um, how many people died? 11 people died, including five children, and 61 homes were burned. Um, Mayor Wilson Good later appointed the Philadelphia Special Investigation Commission, who determined that dropping a bomb on an occupied row house was unconscionable. You think? It's just ridiculous. <laughs> um, well, right, but you know, the, and this came up in um, in my research. The yeah. city of Philadelphia's police department had lost one of their own in 1978. Yeah, and so they were going to make sure that didn't happen again. But yeah. there was also a grudge. Move oh, was going to pay. A grudge on both sides. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's terrible. Um, they just went out and got revenge for the murder of their one person. Um, the, on May 13th, 2020, which was the 35th anniversary of the bombing, 11 Philadelphia City Council members issued a formal apology for what they called, quote, a brutal attack carried out by the city of Philadelphia on its own citizens. And former Mayor Wilson Good has since apologized several times for the bombing. The event will remain on my conscience for the rest of my life, he wrote. As it should. As it should. Um, the Philadelphia City Council voted in November 2020 to apologize for the move bombing. Quote, we apologize for the decisions leading to the devastation of that day and acknowledge the fundamental injustice, cruelty, brutality, and inhumanity of the move bombing. As members of council, we acknowledge the significant failures in communication, negotiation, and conflict resolution leading up to and following these tragic events. Mm -hmm. Um Janine Africa, who was in jail at the time, responded, show us. What good is an apology without the action behind it? Show 100%. us that you're sorry and that you never want something like this to happen again. So MOVE did see some small justice in 1996 when a federal court ordered the city to pay a $1.5 million judgment to Ramona Africa and the relatives of John and Frank Africa, finding that the city had used excessive force and violated the members' constitutional protections against unreasonable search and seizure. Ramona was awarded $500,000 total for pain and suffering, as well as the disfigurement and burns she suffered in the fire. And recently, in July 2021, Three, four, oh yeah, this is a separate issue. So um, Theo mentioned this being a cult, and we haven't really touched on that. Oh, we touched on that a little bit. But right. um, recently in July of this year, three former MOVE members who say they were raised within the Black Liberation Group, and we have no reason to doubt them, renounced it and released a public statement calling it a cult. They tell you, um, quote, they tell you anybody other than MOVE is out to get you, Wit Sims, formerly known as Wit Africa, told Billy Penn about the leaders of the group. They'll tell you they'll rape your kids, they'll kill your kids, so you're scared to do anything. So they stripped you of all your independence. And honestly, um, after 78, there's, it's hard to argue with them. They, they, they will kill your kids. They did kill your kids. And then after um, mm. the 1980s, they're, they're killing, they killed even more people. So sure, this is, this is a cult. And Sims is part of a trio of former MOVE children who allege witnessing and experiencing widespread abusive behavior within the organization, citing coercive sexual relationships, child marriages, like you mentioned, Theo, death threats, financial crimes, and several forms of psychological control. Um, sure, it's a cult, and it's, that's, that's a bad thing. Um, right. But uh, a lot of it is based on truth and what actually happened. So um, 
the as Theo mentioned, the former members' allegations and stories are being documented on a new blog titled Leaving Move, and then there's an associated podcast called Murder at Ryan's Run. And since the allegations were released, another four Move members have come forward in support. There's a number of people who are beginning to come forward, and this entire story is reminiscent for me, right, learning about it. It reminds me of how I learned about the uh, the Tulsa Race Massacre, right? I had never heard of it. Never, ever, ever heard of it. Um, I'm politically liberal. I am caring. I read all kinds of stuff. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it never once crossed my radar. And I remember hearing about it when it happened in North Carolina. I don't know how I, I heard about it. I met in 1921. I was like, that's no, impossible, no, no. Brad. 1921. <laughs> 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 I remember walking down the halls of, of uh, Jordan High School thinking about it. And uh, I'm surprised you didn't hear about it, too. I did not hear about it. Who did you have for history? I don't remember. Some dude. Uh, Dr. Hill. No, it was that, that younger dude that was just out of college that... Um, for American history. Mm. I can't remember his name. That's yeah. all right, because I didn't have it. It was AP Clear- history. Oh, okay. There you go, because I did not take AP. Did I take AP? I did take AP history. Yes, I did. Did you? But I had, yeah, but I had uh, um, Emily Warner, who Don't I liked her. a lot. Yeah, no, she was fine. Um, but I can see, we spent a lot of time on the revolution. Oh, we spent a lot of time on the Civil War. Ugh. Oh, I can't remember what we did with the Civil War. Um, uh, but anyway. I skipped so much school uh, that year. <laughs> like, it's a miracle they let me graduate. I hear you. Sure, they were just like, you really want this kid in your class anymore? Like, let him graduate. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, back to move. away. Yeah. yeah. So, again, move. I had never heard you of it. Thing. And it's like, how could something this huge have just never been on my radar and, and something like that, and also like the Tulsa Race Massacre, would have stayed with me. Right. Right? You think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, watch. I'm going to find that I had read a whole book about it, that I wrote a term <laughs> paper on it in the 11th grade. <laughs> Maybe. You never know. Don't do drugs. Well, so to add insult to injury... Not only were these people tormented during their lives, but in April 2021, the University of Pennsylvania and the Penn Museum apologized to the Africa family for allowing human remains from the move house to be used in research and training. In 1985, the Philadelphia City Medical Examiner's Office gave burned human remains found at the Move House to the University of Pennsylvania Museum of Archaeology and Anthropology for verification that the bones were those of 14-year-old Tree Africa and 12-year-old Delicia Africa. The remains were kept in a cardboard box in storage for decades and studied by Alan Mann, a professor at Penn, and Janet Monge, the curator of the Penn Museum. The bones were used as part of an online forensic course as a case study, and when Mann transferred to Princeton in 2001, he reportedly took the remains with him. So um, Philadelphia Health Commissioner Thomas Farley resigned in May 2021 upon revelations that he ordered the cremation of a set of victims' remains without notifying or obtaining permission from the families of the deceased or even releasing the names of the deceased. The day after his resignation, the remains were recovered in a box labeled MOVE. I mean, how in the world anybody can make a decision like that and not think, I should yeah. contact the family, right? right? Yeah, it, I it's it's stunning. 
It's how did stunning. It's stupidity. How is it even possible? I mean, how did, how, where did, <laughs> I, I know, right? And I get that I'm like Lucy Lefty liberal, bleeding yeah, heart, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I, I get all that, right? My family's not that. They're totally right. not that. For sure. They're the opposite sure. of me, which is why I live so far away from them. And mm-hmm. even the, I can hear them saying yeah. how horrific this would be. How, how appalling that would be. How stupid it would be. Oh, God, my poor God. family. I slammed them so much on this show. <laughs> they don't listen. That's fine. No, they don't. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I can be so um, honest comedically. Comedically. That's right. It's all funny. Um, all comedy kids. What, Except for um, this part. We read, I read some of the apology. There was a, the, the, the council declaration or whatever was um, quite pretty long. Too long to read here, but it's exactly what you would expect it to be. Um, and I think what, instead of taking up time reading that, I'm going to read what Mike Africa Jr. had to say yes. uh, regarding the apology. And he said, what can apologies do for the two members of MOVE who died in prison after serving 20 years and 37 years each? What can apologies do for the children who died in the bombing or for their parents who were in prison on false charges while their children burned? While an apology may seem noble to some, it's hard to accept an apology when you're watching your parents grow old in prison. When my parents went to prison, my older sister was five years old. By the time my parents came home, my sister was a grandparent. All these apologies make it sound like this was some kind of mistake, but it was deliberate. Every step of the way, actions were taken to shore up a system designed not just to oppress black people, but to kill us. How can I accept an apology from the people who deliberately killed my family? How can an apology, empty words, be all there is? I cannot tell you how much I love Mike Africa. Um, he comes off as, such, oh, I should say he comes off because that seems like he's not, Right. Right, and I think my is. issues, my language uh, is betraying that I have some issues with move organizations being cults. We'll just put it that way, right? Right, but right. Some of the negative things they did. Him. And, you know, and I think he's a believer. I think he's, uh, I mean, when you're born into move, you are a member yeah. of move. And I don't think yeah. he's left the organization. That wasn't part of, of the story I saw on HBO called 40 Years a Prisoner, um, which was very well done. So... Um, He's so, he's just got his finger on what the issue really is. Mm-hmm. And I wholeheartedly believe anything that he says in terms of what happened, how people feel about it, uh, the fact that it was orchestrated and intentional. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You don't send 600 cops to, you don't send two cops somewhere. Maybe you send two cops accidentally. You don't send 600 accidentally. You don't send a no. tank accidentally. That's insane. And yeah. I, Against American citizens at that, you know, I mean, I get, okay, so now I'm going to make it all about me. Mm -hmm. Remember about a year ago, I lived in a neighborhood where there was a shooting and I lived across the street from a nightclub that was really loud (laughs) and very annoying. And there wasn't shit I could do about it. Yeah. So I've sort of been one of those neighbors who lived next to a place that, you know, was a problem and wasn't going away. And didn't yeah. like it and would like for it to go away. Um, yeah. And I forget where that went. Well, you moved. Well, yeah, I, I moved, right? You were uh, able to move when you uh, may not have been able no to No puns intended, I moved. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just kind of like I, I get that the city felt like this is really out of control. And also mm-hmm. I, can, I can put myself in 1970 shoes and 
you know, that's real close to the 1950s when everything was perfect and golden and you just listened mm. to what white men had to say and you did what mm. they said, right? And then you start having the the counterculture movements and the hippies and all that. And so I can see where the city's like, where the older officials of the government are like, you know, this is out of control. We need to do something. But But the response was overkill. Now, do I have a solution for how you could have calmed things down at that house? No, I don't, because... I mean, thing- it takes trained um, um, crisis response people, or not crisis response, oh, conflict resolution before, people. Sure. They didn't even try any of that. No, they just but I mean, even before it gets to that situation, right? When you uh-huh. just have like 40 neighbors complaining all about the same <laughs> right. time. Or right. about, hey, when the cops are called 20 times to the same address, like right. there's probably things that could be done. And I guess that's why I was trying yeah. to relate it back to my experience, other than we haven't mm-hmm. talked about me for a few minutes and I was starting to <laughs> disappear from reality. That's my magic trick. As long as I could be a subject of the conversation, I exist in this corporeal realm. Um, Of course. Of course. But yeah, I mean, so to say overkill, it's like, no, that's that's stupid, right? But here's the thing I kind of don't get. And it's that libertarian, your right to swing your fist ends where my nose begins Uh argument. But so you've got this back to nature group that's living in an urban city. Right. It's all concrete. And okay, yeah, you can live your life how you want to live your life. But then what do you do with the house that has 25 dogs? And I love that they were taking care of dogs. So, you know, they were rescuing them off the street. That's amazing. But, you know, at a a certain point, you've got to recognize that as part of the community, you're becoming a problem to the people around you. And so if you want to go back to nature, go back to fucking nature. Well, I mean, the easier said Plenty of done. land out there. I know, right? Well, but that's where it's like... Their jobs are in the city, assume, presumably, and, you know, everything they they knew was in the city. Probably their family in the city, and they're not going to just pack up and go to the middle of Pennsylvania where there's no friends or family or jobs just so they can rescue dogs. But yeah, but I hear what you're saying. I mean, you got to work with the people around there's you. There's a balance. A I think it, life. You're, you're more artfully explaining my... my argument of moving to the woods, everybody, Um, (laughs) which is there's just a balance. You live in a community. You don't get to have your own way 100% of the time. Now, at the same time, having said that, I can't argue against move because children were murdered. Yeah. You know, I mean, so fuck anything I'm going to say because just fuck it. There's no excuse for that. It's Unfortunately. You're wrong, Juliet. It's beyond no excuse. <laughs> so, okay, we're, we're going to rate this apology in negative uh, 12. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it, this it. is safely our first negative apology ever, a mutual <laughs> agreement. Um, I, I agree with Ramona Africa, who survived not only a fire, but survived 10,000 rounds of live oh. ammunition being fired at her home it's a miracle anyone for 90 survived. minutes. Unbelievable. Right? Unbelievable. Um, and Solid house. And the brutality, I mean, they, I, they're just not words. Um, yeah. And so, no, Philly, this isn't an apology. And I agree with Ramona and Mike Africa. Um, it, it requires more than empty words. And you got to show that this will never happen again. And unfortunately, our country is leaning more towards authoritarianism. Boo. Yeah. 
than mm-hmm. ever before. And I'd love to say it's because the older generation sees its power, sees the power flipping, sees things changing. Yeah, and, I'd like to think that too. Yeah, but out. I mean, the last gasps of the authoritarianisms, but uh, isms, but yeah, probably not. I mean, let's be positive, and maybe okay, maybe this is the uh, end for them. There'll be this a virus it. that God unleashes on the earth that kills that older kills. people. <laughs> Oh, boo, Theo, that's not funny I at all. You said that. <laughs> I, no, that was not bad. Not all people are bad. Just well, the authoritarian hi, ones. Case in point, know, right, right here. Hello. Hi. Old. I'm 25, <laughs> and, you know, by so, rights, I should be cycled. Do you have a who's sorry now? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I think that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you believe? I. No, um, didn't occur to me. Um, we can just uh-oh. skip it this week. No, I think we have to have one. I think that's that's our segment. We can't say sorry. Okay. Who's sorry now? Sorry, oh, the audience, have, because we don't that's have. That's what I forgot. It's the thing I was going to tell you that I forgot. It's my who's sorry now. I had one, and I completely forgot This it. is your fault, and that doesn't count I'm as sorry. your who's sorry now, by the way. I'm sorry. Um, okay, have you ever unfairly used power? Probably, but not... That I know of. Well, but I mean, you know, mm, 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 I mean, not I, no, no other apologies than I've already made. I mean, I can't um, think of anything where I have how about overreacted. Oh, for sure. Like, okay, let's think of one. Um, I apologize for every time I overreacted. Um. It, this will be a blanket apology. How about that? Uh, sure. And maybe. And dear, mm-hmm. fill in the blank. Right. Um, I was out of hand, and although <laughs> perhaps justified in my feelings, may have better expressed myself than calling you a name. Right. When like, did you ever call anybody a name? Oh, all the time. Road rage. No, um, not out of a. Oh, no, but your friends or whatever. Friends no, or family. Well, you know, I mean, everybody calls strangers names behind their backs. So. <laughs> behind their back. I do it behind my windshield. <laughs> You're a cunt with a K. Um, oh, I don't know. Should we bleep that word? I got carried away. No, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it feels kind of lame, but I just didn't have one. Um, oh, God. I need a. I was going to say bumper sticker. It's not a bumper sticker. It's a post-it note. I need to put a post-it note on my computer. Who's sorry now? Um, Okay. So, sorry, everyone. I can't think of anything. Um, I don't think I have an apology this week, um, but I'll be sure to have one next week, and it'll be twice as good. So um, I give that apology a 10. (laughs) So, I think that's it. Do we have anything else we need to cover today? We don't, except we're growing our little show, our independent tiny show. We get, you know, a few listeners every week, and it's great. Um, We're kicking up our social engagement. So, guys, we really... There are 48 million podcast episodes out there, according to the internet, and 2 million podcasts, right? The fact that anybody can find our show... Because we don't yeah, promote it's it. It's a miracle. Right. It's beyond, yes. It's beyond a miracle, Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than a miracle. Each listener is a miracle in themselves. More no. than a miracle. Um, 
So I am just going to say, I really, speaking for both of us, every time somebody follows us, it's like, oh my God, a really? Party. Yeah. yeah. Well, a party, but also humbling. Celebration. Like, Wow. Thank you. Um, it's just not expected. True. We did this so that we could hang out with each other. And here we are hanging out with each other a year and later. tens of other people. <laughs> and, and tens of other people. <laughs> yeah, we're so in the hundreds you, now. So, um, oh yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. We're going to have to celebrate somehow. I know we just had an award ceremony. But we're going to have to celebrate somehow soon. Maybe a, at a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. I'm game. We'll see if we remember that. We'll get together and have a party in real life. There you go. I love that. All right. Okay. I'm holding, <laughs> when we move to Palm Springs, you must, you and Brent both must come down. And he's going to have to come. Okay. You're, you're not moving he's for a couple years, though. going to have to turn on the mics. Um, <laughs> no, but maybe in a year. We'll see. Maybe. I mean, we'll oh, see. that would be nice. All right. Fingers crossed. Okay. Fingers crossed. And then... Goodbye, everybody. Thank you again. Bye, everybody. Thank you. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Apologies Accepted, the podcast. You can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at apologiesaccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted. And on Instagram at apologies.accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted. And fuck Facebook. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.